0: Again, if that's happening, Rogue Squadron podcast, you guys know who it is. It's been a minute, but we're back in it, and we're happy to be here, and we love to be in your ear. And so, talk about coming back from a hiatus. We
1: have with us today the author, our favorite of all the Star Wars books, so many video games, uh, the creator, basically, what we think of, of the old republic of the Star Wars universe. Drew Carpition is... Going to be joining us on the show today. We have an awesome interview with him. He is a fantastic dude. Obviously, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know his work from the Knights of the Old Republic video game. He created Revan. He created a lot of the stories of the Old Republic and the Darth Bane trilogy. Also, Mass Effect, guys. And Mass Effect.
0: He's done a lot for uh, for us as fans. It's <laughs> Honestly, true. he yeah. And
1: all the stuff he mentioned too, the games that we hadn't even played, like Baldur's Gate and old Dungeons and Dragons things. And yeah, he's. He's been there. He's done it. It's awesome. So
0: we are happy to have him on. Obviously, us being uh, fanboys and and big uh, Revan fans um, and Bane bitches. So without any further <laughs> ado, guys, I want to appreciate his time <laughs> and his efforts.
1: Oh my gosh, he's a really awesome guy and he's really cool. It's a great interview. So here we go. Here we go. Awesome. Uh, well, yeah. Let's let's. Dive right in. Uh, we have a bunch of questions that our uh, listeners tweeted us, and they wanted to—they wanted us to ask you. So we'll go through those. Obviously, we have questions of of our own. Um, right off the bat, I kind of want to know, like, how you got started writing. Like, what's your backstory? What did you do? Did you go to college for writing? Kind of, how did you get started on all that stuff?
2: Uh, so you know, I, I've kind of always been a writer. I, I was writing, you know, all through school and, and high school, um, but I didn't really jump into it as a career right away. I did a lot of other jobs. Um, spent about almost 10 years kind of kicking around doing other things. You know, I was in banking for a while and, uh, did some, some manual labor stuff, worked for a moving company, never okay. really found sort of what I wanted to do. And I decided to go back to school. Um, I think it was 27 and work on my doctor, uh, my master's degree in English. And at the same time, Wizards of the Coast, the Dungeons and Dragons, uh, uh, publishers. Right had an open call for novelists. They were looking for some new novelists. They wanted you to send um, you know, a sort of a summary of your novel in the first you know, 20 pages. And um, I submitted something to that. And uh, they really liked it. So they decided they wanted to uh, publish my novel. That was my first book, Temple Hill. Awesome. And uh, at right around the same time, um, while I was working on my master's degree, uh, I saw an ad in the English department newsletter um, saying, you know, a video game company looking for Dungeons and Dragons writer. And that was an ad from BioWare who was looking for someone to come to work, uh, help out on Baldur's Gate 2. And they were in my hometown, which was uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. That's where BioWare was founded and that's where I grew up. So I thought, oh, this is cool. I, I didn't really know much about BioWare at the time. Um, so I, I thought, oh, this is probably, you know, a couple of weeks worth of work. And I, <laughs> you know, looked them up on the internet and I was like, oh, damn, these guys are serious. And yeah. uh, they offered me a job um, based on, you know, the interview and and the novel that I had coming out with Wizards of the Coast and uh, seemed like a good fit. And I basically uh, just left university to go work for Bioware right away. I thought, ah, I don't need a degree if I'm doing this. Not and that just led to everything else.
1: That's crazy. That <laughs> um, sounds like perfect, That they, especially that they were in the same town as you
2: yeah it's it's quite funny there's a, an amazing amount of talent in in edmonton it's uh i mean it's not a small city. there's about a million people, but you know it's not that well known It's sort of a little more remote. We're pretty far north uh and you know there was an amazing amount of talent most of the original sort of bioware group came from Edmonton and and sort of the surrounding you know towns around there within a few hours' drive um so you have you know, uh, people like uh, James Olin, who's uh, sort of a legend in uh, video games. He's the man behind Baldur's Gate, uh, big influence on KOTOR and Dragon Age. Uh, Casey Hudson, who's one of the main Mass Effect guys. Right. David Gator, who's uh, another writer um, uh, for Bioware, uh, has done a lot of work with the Dragon Age and did worked with me on KOTOR and Baldur's Gate. And it was really amazing, this talent pool that was in this town that you know, just was sitting there sort of untapped. It was kind of a, just a fluke almost. That's crazy. It's a great fluke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so
0: how, how did it go from, okay, Bioware says, Drew, you, you sound good. Let's do this to, uh, We're going to start making KOTOR and what's the thought process behind KOTOR? Because obviously it was something that we grew up with and it really opened up the expanded universe Um, To Star Wars, Um, you know, before that it was kind of limited to you know Luke, Leia, Han, and that kind of series. And KOTOR just blew the doors open to the possibilities of the expanded universe. So, what's the what's the thought process behind that, and how how did you go about KOTOR?
2: So uh, when I came to work at Bioware, as I said, I started on the Baldur's Gate games. I kind of helped out and and uh, was working there, but um, they had just started in negotiations with. uh, Lucas games to make KOTOR. We didn't know it was going to be called KOTOR. They, they wanted a star Wars role-playing game. And, uh, the man kind of running everything was, was James Olin, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And he was a big fan of the old West end, um, star Wars pen and paper RPG. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, and he's a huge star Wars fan. I've played, Star Wars trivial pursuit with him and you don't get a turn. Like <laughs> yeah. he he will just run the board. He'll go start to finish, get get the entire get all the pies and win the game. And even you're like, those, well, that was fun.
1: Even those wacky questions about the oh. coordinates of where this ship was. This <laughs> everything. <time. laughs> everything.
2: He it was crazy. I was like, okay, that's that's why you're doing this. Um and he, so he was a big fan of Star Wars, but also the, uh, extended universe, um, you know, the novels, uh, I mean, some people were familiar with, uh, you know, the Thrawn trilogy or, right. uh, you know, the, the old Alan Dean Foster stuff. Um, but there wasn't a sort of a general knowledge about it, but he wanted to do something that was away from the movies. He wanted to build on this. And, uh, core team. Uh, So I was the lead writer and uh, David Gator was also a very influential writer on the project. Um, Some other writers, some of the artists, we all kind of uh, bought into this. And I started looking at, you know, the old Republic stuff. There was a series of comics from a company called Dark Horse. Um, You know, there was a lot of reference material from old role-playing games, things like that. Um, And we decided the old republic was this this amazing era where you could have lots of sith lots of jedi it was sort of untapped it would be new to to a lot of fans of star wars yeah. and we really wanted to to bring it into the sort of into the spotlight so it was very intentional that we did that and we felt it would give us the most freedom too to tell the story because you know, we're so far removed—we're thousands of years removed from the events of the films. Uh-huh. We don't have to follow, like you say, the story of Luke and Leia and Han. And I mean, it's a great story, but we felt like it had already been told. We wanted to tell a a very different story.
1: Absolutely, I think that's why we loved it so much. Is all the expanded universe books and everything was was good, but it was just so much of that same timeline. And then KOTOR happened, and it's just basically like a whole new universe still star wars but and there's still similarities but it's all brand new characters and it was just yeah now did you
0: realize um the impact of kotor while you were writing it because there's so many fans that are so diehard kotor fans and or revan fans uh, to be particular um did you realize that while you were writing it like this is going to be big
2: so it's kind of funny. I didn't have a lot of experience uh, in games uh, by that point. I'd been there, uh, been with for a few years by the time we sort of got into full production or near the end of production of KOTOR. Um, but I'd really mostly only worked on uh, Baldur's Gate and uh, the, some of the Baldur's Gate expansions and done some work on Neverwinter Nights. And I was, you know, we're, we're testing, we're playing uh, the games in prototype. You know, I thought we had a really good story. We had a, a really strong writing team, and I was enjoying it, but I, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have that, that moment until they added sound. It was very funny because sound was sort of one of the later things to come in, yeah. the music and the sound effects. Yeah, it usually is. And I remember the day I first played it with, with music and sound, even it was sort of temp. but And I went into James's office and I was like, this is a home run. We are knock, We have knocked this out of the park. Like it was amazing. It was like a, a switch just flipped, and I, I just I just knew. I mean, it's easy to say that looking back, but at the time, I just knew it was going to be huge. I knew it because, you know, we put in so much work. The art was great. The story was great. You know, and it the gameplay was a lot of fun. It 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 did everything we set out to do. And then when you added that that music, that sort of John Williams type score and the mm-hmm. iconic sound effects, you know, the lightsabers and the blasters and right. It just put it over the top, and uh, and that was also sort of when we first got to see some of the the cutscenes, um, you know, like the big Revan reveal, um, you know, right. all these sort of cool things. Wait, what Revan and, and reveal? Oh yeah, whoops, <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's twelve years. Sorry, I guess it's twelve years and one day since Kotra came out. Oh nice. Oh um, wow. So Perfect You know, I mean. spoilers I think have expired, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I. It was late in production, but once we, once we hit that, I was very very confident. So it was really gratifying to see that, you know, fans loved what we did, and and you know the the couple of years we spent pouring our heart and soul into the game uh, was totally worth it.
1: I think love is an understatement.
2: <laughs> this
1: yeah. uh, there's many people like all, a lot of our friends and people that have been on the show before love Kotor more than the movies. Yeah, like it just takes you to this whole other section of the universe, and I mean we just. Because maybe because we got to interact with it more. Like the, like the movies you watch and you kind of connect with the characters, but when you're actually in the game and doing things and the, class, the classic Bioware, like you have the choice of what you can do and who you can talk to and who you can kill and steal money from. And just, <laughs> yeah, just, it just really, really hit home with us.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of why, uh, why games are so so powerful, why people uh, have such a strong connection, connection to them. Because, you know, the the twist of... Of you know, the main character actually sort of being a villain who's sort of been reformed. We didn't invent that. I mean, you know, if you look at the Bourne series, it's done there. But the fact that you were that character gave it such a, an incredible impact. It really sort of, you know, put it to a whole other level. And I, I think, you know, that was one of the reasons people loved it because you know, you'd been playing as Revan, you'd been sort of building up the character in your own style. And then to have them tell you this it was it was just a a, an absolute shock that forced you to reevaluate everything you'd done yeah but you still could you know claim it as your own and put your own spin on it and take it in the direction you wanted so you know it it kind of gave the best of both worlds i thought yeah
0: and actually it's interesting that you you were talking about um once like the film score and the sounds were put in it it really added that much more um because i went back I have read the entire Bane series and actually bought the audiobook recently and was listening to it and they add the sound effects to it and In it audiobook? just yeah and it just pushes your book like to a level that it's so interesting to actually hear Bane talk yeah. and hear all the the battles and it's it, it just adds that extra aspect that it it really opens the door to that that book not that your writing isn't enough but uh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it, it have you ever listened to your own book uh, i have for uh, you know i listen um i don't listen to the whole book because it's a, a pretty long time investment uh sure. to do that and i've you know i'm i'm pretty familiar with the books already <laughs> right. you can imagine. Exactly. Um, but i always want to hear you know um the narrator i want to hear you know what what they're what they're doing because not every audiobook does that um you know i want to hear how they're handling different character voices and things like that um and you know i was quite happy with them uh, i thought they did a really good job um you know it, it took a long while for the audiobooks to come out. Um, with the with the Bane series, um, so you know I, I I I was quite happy when they finally did come out and and quite pleased with the the product. But I yeah I I just don't honestly think I could sit down and listen to an entire <laughs> you know I don't read my own books I don't think I could listen to my own books. Sure. Um, honestly, once I'm once I'm done, I'm kind of like oh wow I'm done. You know it's a slog writing a book. It's not easy. Oh yeah. So there's there's always a sense of like whoo. Thank God that's over.
0: Right. <laughs> I have expected them to use Arnold Schwarzenegger
2: for uh, Bane's voice. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, well, the, the one I've heard the most is uh, um, uh, the guy from uh, Highlander. Everybody wanted uh, Clancy Brown, um, who's the main villain from Highlander. Right. Everyone's like, you should get him in the movie. And I'm like, you don't realize how old that movie is. Right. <laughs> that movie's 30 years old. The guy's probably 70 now, you know? <laughs> so. Um, Back
1: to Kotor for just a second. I do want to talk about Bane cuz we are we love Bane almost as much as Reven, but where is where did the idea for Reven develop?
2: So it I mean it, the the twist idea was something that uh, uh, James and I kind of came up with. Um, he had a lot of influence over that. Um, and then the the execution of it was something I spent a lot of time on. But the actual character of Reven, this character that stuck between the light and the dark and kind of walks both sides and and goes back and forth was just sort of something that I felt made more sense in the star Wars universe. You know, one of the things I, I mean, I love star Wars and one of the appeals is this classic good versus evil, but it's a little simplistic. Yeah. You know, when you really look at the, the Jedi code or, or the way it's described by Yoda or sort of portrayed in the films it's pretty brutal, you know? It's saying, you know, you can't have family, you can't have love. It's, it's very extreme. It's a little unrealistic. It's basically set up for people to just constantly fail. And it, it felt to me like that there was things in the dark side that were worth bringing out as well, which obviously I, I ran with that in the Bane series. And I was like, if I was a Jedi, I would pick and choose from both sides and, you know, walk <laughs> the, the middle path and yeah. sort of... So I think there was a little bit of the, you know, the the Mary Sue Gary Stew. I was like, this is what I would do if I was a Jedi, um, <laughs> you know. But but luckily it worked out. It plays well in the in the themes of Star Wars, and you know, um, between me and the rest of the creative team and the rest of the writers, we were able to to make it not seem too uh, too childish. I think.
1: <laughs> no, it was. Do you mean to make Revan as powerful as he is?
2: Well. One of the things that's, that sort of happened with the character, because it was a video game, I mean, video games are all about, you know, building up your character, or at least RPGs. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you have to have constant battles and, you know, you end up fighting, you know, I don't know how many Sith Lords you kill in the game. It's hundreds and hundreds, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't like to sort of take what happened in a video game and make that and say, you know, that's representative of the character. It's, it's more about the gameplay. Unfortunately, it's hard for people to get that that distinction so it sort of translates across um into other media and uh it it, it's almost expected that you know what because he was so powerful in the game because you were so powerful in the game he is that powerful and and for me i i kind of don't like to say yes he could you know he could beat this guy or that guy I, i don't feel it's my place and i also don't I'm always weary about those or leery about those versus um, arguments. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, in real life, you can have boxers fight 10 times and one guy might win five and one guy might win the other five. There's so many other factors. Whereas people do these like absolutes, you know, that's true. Vader could beat Luke. No, Luke could beat yeah. Vader because of this. I'm like, eh, they probably have to have a seven, seven fight series and see who came out on top or something. But that's a good point. Yeah.
0: So to the fact that you don't like it, Bane versus Revan.
2: <laughs>
0: since they oh, are both your children
2: yeah so uh, as I said before about politically ducking questions uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's something I mean I, I really uh, you know it, for me the, the, the power levels especially um, for characters that are removed by that much time um, I, I don't want to you know, get into it. Uh, let's let's pretend it's like uh, comparing uh, players from the dead ball era of baseball to modern day. It just doesn't translate well. I'll, that's my excuse. I'll go with that.
0: Okay, that's that's cool. <laughs> Sounds like Bane. I accept that. Bane.
2: <laughs> what
0: was uh, <clears throat> so is it? Was it the same? Let me let me take a step back. Going into writing Star Wars books, what kind of limits? Um, what kind of opportunities? I mean, are you given like a, a rough like? storyline and then you just build off of it or do they just say um you know this or is it more like i want to write a star wars book i write this book and submit it and they they approve it like what's the process behind that
2: so things might have changed um with the way star wars books work because of the disney buyout i haven't done any for a a couple years i've been working on other projects but i'll tell you how it was when i um was working with star wars uh star wars is the probably the biggest franchise in the world um you know it's one of the most iconic parts of of pop culture. So they have a lot of authors who want to work with them. So the short answer is you can't work with them unless they want to work with you. You have to be a known person. You could write something and submit it to them. They're not going to look at it. That's just the harsh reality. Um, I had talked to them um, at Gen Con. I was there when we were promoting Neverwinter Nights and I'd written my Dungeons and Dragons books. And one of the editors, Shelly Shapiro, was there and I said, oh, you know, I'd love to write some Star Wars books and I'm working on this Star Wars game, which hadn't been released yet. And uh, she said, okay, you know, send me copies of your books and then we'll, you know, we'll keep you in mind. And I kind of got the idea she was being polite, but it was, you know, who are you? Why should we work with you? Which is fair. They have a lot of authors that want to work with them. Right. And, uh, you know, I kind of gave her my stuff and I didn't hear anything until KOTOR came out. And then, of course, KOTOR was a, a huge success um, commercially, uh, critically won all these awards, you know, millions of sales. And, uh, Shelly called me and said, you know, Hey, want to do a star Wars book? And I was like, yes, I do. (laughs) So that was sort of my in. And I think it's really hard if you don't have an in like that, like you need to be a published author with lots of credits and sort of a bit of a name or something to, to sort of prove that you're worth their time. Um, and that's, you know, that sounds harsh, but I mean, look at it from their side. They probably would have thousands of people sending them novels every week if right. they didn't do that. Right. So that was how I got into it. Um, and then as far as the freedom, they were uh, really good. Um, at, once I came on board, uh, Shelly and, and the other people, uh, the editorial staff said, you know, we love the, the old Republic setting that you guys are building up. We want to do something in that era. And at the time I said, well, you know, I've done the Revan story. I want to do something different." And they said, sure, let's look at it. And there was a, a series of comics by Dark Horse called Jedi versus Sith. And they were the original appearance of Darth Bane um, in the in the public sort of Star Wars canon. And uh, he was a minor character in those comics, but he kind of pops in and out. And uh, it, it kind of followed the story of the battle on Ruusan, um from the perspective of these children. But I thought the Bane character was fascinating, this guy who... Sort of reinvented the Jedi Order and had a different, or sorry, the Sith Order, pardon me, had a different way of looking at it. And I, I really wanted to work with him. So I said, Hey, why don't we work with this character? And Shelly said, You know, yeah, that, that's a really interesting character. You know, come up with a storyline and tell us what you want to do. And I had actually worked with the Dungeons and Dragons people, and their rule was anything you do can't change our universe. That was the Dungeons and Dragons rule. When you wrote a book, you basically had to maintain the status quo. So I sent them a first draft of the story that was, um, you know, kind of talked about Bane, but he wasn't the main character. And it was sort of looking at the war through uh, the eyes of a, a Sith soldier because I felt like it was too big. And she was like, you know, why don't you just make Bane the main character? Why don't you go and write something that will, you know, fundamentally change the Star Wars universe? And I was like, Really? Uh, that sounds great. So, um, <laughs> that does You know, great. we based on that, I kind of took the Bane character, uh, what was in the comics, which again, is basically the, the last third of the first book is kind of drawn from source material from the comics. And then I said, well, where did this character come from? Uh, what would his origins be? You know, how did he join the Sith? You know, he's not just some crazy lunatic who says, I'm going to be evil. You know, that's not how people fall to the dark side. Right. Um you know, I had to come up with a way to make the dark side seem appealing, and I just ran with it, and it it worked out really well.
0: Um, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just love how where Bane comes from. I do like his backstory because, um, it, it like you said, people aren't just born and just like I want to murder and take over the, the galaxy single handedly. Right. So I do like his backstory and the process. Um, one big spoiler that I do want to ask. So at the end of the third book, does mm-hmm. Bane finish that uh, essence transfer?
2: So I'm going to give you my, uh, my self-serving answer here. <laughs> yeah. There is an answer. So when I wrote that, I didn't intend for it to be as ambiguous as it came out. I thought I was being very clear. Um, I understand why people can interpret it different ways. Um, and I, 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 I blame people like M. Night Shyamalan and that because everyone's always looking for like, here's what's said, but what's really being said, you know, what's the twist, Always a twist. but what I've done on my website, which is www.drewcarpishan.com. So it's just my name.com. Very simple to find. If you go there on the top, there's a bunch of headings. One is novels, click on novels and you'll see a short description of each novel, a little sort of my comments on it. And under the dynasty of evil, the third Darth Bane book, there's a link that says super secret spoiler. (laughs) Click on that link. And I will tell you, Exactly what happened and why I did it, and why I didn't think it would confuse people. But now that it did, I actually don't like to just say it out loud because some people like the ambiguity, some people like the uncertainty. And mm-hmm. um, so I want to just sort of leave it in that spoiler link. So anyone who really wants to know can come and find out that this is how I originally intended it. This is what my intent as the author was. Um, you know, whether we actually do more books down the road is still sort of up in the air. There's been talk about it and you know, it's, it's the potential's always there. And then it would become more clear because of how the books continue. But, you know, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. So, um, you know, it, it's a question I get asked a lot <laughs> and, uh, I would say just go to the drewcarpician.com, uh, novels, and then under dynasty, you'll click the super secret spoiler link and you'll Truth will be revealed.
0: <laughs> we got to pause them. this interview. I got to go click on that stuff right now. <laughs> 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 to go read it and figure it out.
1: Um, so you're you at Bioware for a while. Um, and one of my favorite game franchises ever is Mass Effect. So I want to kind of push into that direction. Um, after the ridiculous success of KOTOR, um, how long was it before... You guys started developing Mass Effect, or is that something that you kind of spearheaded, or was that more Casey Hudson and then you helped the writing, or what was your involvement and how did that
2: start? So, um, Casey was actually also a, a producer on um, Knights of the Old Republic. So, I'd worked with him before. Okay. Um, he and James Olin were kind of two of the lead guys. Um, and then James went on to Dragon Age, and Casey decided he wanted to do uh, an original science fiction idea. Um, and a lot of the main team for Mass Effect was the KOTOR team. Um, I was the lead writer on both games. Uh, Derek Watts was the lead artist on both games. Casey was, uh, you know, was kind of the project director for both, both projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had uh, a lot of the same programmers and designers, uh, a man named Preston uh, Watamaniak was, you know, one of the main designers for KOTOR and he was the lead designer for Mass Effect, so it was a lot of that same KotOR team. So we'd all worked together before. We worked well together. We knew each other. We got along well. We, you know, we we thought we had, you know, a pretty good track record. Um, so we sat down and started working on it pretty much as soon as uh, KotOR was done. Um, you know, there were other things that that uh, you know I would kind of help out with. I, I helped out a bit with some Jade Empire stuff and some of the expansions for Neverwinter Nights, but we were slowly building up the, uh, the universe of mass effect and some of the core guys, um, the lead artist, the lead writer, lead designer, Casey, a couple other people. um, We all got together and spent almost a year sort of trying to decide what kind of science fiction universe we were going to have before we started any real production on the game. Right. Um, You know, we, because there's a lot of things you have to decide, you know, is it, Near future, far future, what's the technology level? How do aliens work? How is humanity? All these things, you know, um, and spending that year building up the universe, you know, we would uh, talk about some things and I would write something up and they would give me feedback and we would kick more ideas around and slowly piece it together bit by bit and flesh it out. I think that's one of the reasons Mass Effect is so popular because we spent all that time Putting in the groundwork, making this very believable and very interesting and very deep universe for players to experience.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly detailed. For, I mean, I know you guys spent a lot of time on it, but comparatively, how long Star Wars has been around and how long Mass Effect has been around, and just how much detail there is in the universe, all the races, all the planets, especially in terms of the game, you can almost go wherever you want. Which is, I mean, for a game on that scale, is just is just crazy. Um, um, so, what when you when it comes to like the the nitty gritty details of how you design the ships and how you create um, like how the, how the ships work, how the technology works, how the aliens work, and their history is that something that you were directly involved with too?
2: Yeah. So, as the lead writer, I was responsible for a lot of this material. Um, you know, things like aliens and ships are, are heavily influenced by the uh, the vision of the art department, the art director. Right. You know, so we kind of come up with uh, some ideas, you know, they'll do a lot of different concepts of aliens. Um, And then uh, other writers would come on board as well and start bringing their own ideas, which we would incorporate into the universe. Um, You know, I I wasn't the only writer. I was the lead writer, but it was an entire team. Um, I think we got as high as uh, six on the first game. Wow. Um, And then of course uh, you always have influence from, you know, the designers, uh, you know, and and people like Casey, the project director. So all the details uh, for a universe like Mass Effect, the ships, the aliens, things like that, they would come from a, a variety of different people and sources. Um, you know, the artists might come up with concept art for a ship or an alien, and then the writer would take that and sort of flesh it out. Um, as different people came onto the project, different writers, they would say, well, here's an idea from this book I read, or, you know, we drew influences from a lot of uh, popular culture. You can obviously see influences from things like Star Wars and Star Trek and Deep Space Nine, and, you know, uh, we have uh, some fans of uh, Werner Vinge, and then there's classic Asimov stuff. Um, There's a little bit of Lovecraft in there. Uh, The Reapers are essentially a a tech version of Cthulhu. Um, So, you know, there's all these influences that we just sort of bring in Um, And as the team grows, you get more and more of this. And it's just uh, a matter of making sure everything fits in properly because not every idea would work and you have to pick and choose and rework the ideas to sort of build this cohesive whole. Um, And that's, you know, because we had such a strong foundation, it was easier to sort of continue building on it, which is part of the reason we're able to sort of expand the universe into the second game and and onwards, Um, you know, I didn't actually... I actually left after the second game, but, you know, we expanded it out into three games. And I think they're even, uh, you know, continuing on with this series too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I don't know too much about it, not being at Bioware anymore, but I don't have any inside information. But, um, you know, we have this incredible setting that has so much depth. It's just so much easier to build on it because we spent that time at the start.
1: Right, and I certainly hope it keeps going um they at e three a few weeks ago they did announce uh the next game coming out next year mm. so okay. which we're all really excited <laughs> about um were you doing research in terms of like any of the any astrophysics information and how the galaxy works and like how you developed that stuff? was that like super scientific research you did, or was that someone else? Yeah,
2: so there was a lot of research done on the project um i I, I I like to sort of say, uh, you know, we would take science and then sort of stretch it beyond the boundaries of where the original authors would have wanted it to go. Um, You know, you kind of got to push the envelope. Uh, A lot of the research came from uh, actually Casey, Casey Hudson, uh, the project director. He's uh, uh, actually, I think he has an engineering background. Uh, He's a very tech guy. So he would forward me these articles and be like, you know, here's a really cool article. Um, There was another writer in particular, a man named Chris Lutois, who was also... um, very much, uh, you know, I mean, we're all kind of science nerds, but he, him and Casey were sort of at another level. They would always, you know, send me these articles and say, hey, here's a really cool idea, you know, uh, things about dark energy and and those kinds of ideas. Um, right. So we did try to make sure we had, you know, at least one foot in sort of the actual science camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we take a big giant step into the, you know, here's what we're going to do with it to make it it fun and interesting and and extrapolate it. But it is kind of cool as, as you know, I look, I look at some of the stuff about, you know, the, the more complicated astrophysics and, and uh, you know, going into things like quantum theory and string theory. And every once in a while, I'll see, not that I follow it closely, but I'll see these articles and I'll be like, hey, that kind of sounds like something <laughs> we were, you know, we sort of came up with in a very loosey-goosey way. And yeah. now scientists are, are saying there might be some truth to it. We're awesome. You that know? is crazy.
1: So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and we just uh, saw Pluto for the first time the other day, right?
2: Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, we're, we're Which met- in my mind is always going to be a planet. You know, I grew up with it as a planet. So. <laughs> <laughs> really Pluto. hits at
0: home. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I want to talk about the Revan book. Okay. Okay. <sighs> So, we talked about how it kind of uh, Revan's character got a, out of hand, where, you know, like you said, him being in a game, he became so powerful and outrageous and everyone loves him. What was the thought process behind, you know, adding that emperor above him? Um, was that like a mental note that, like, you, you're really just taking Revan and taking him down just a notch? Or was that just kind of you, you have had that? Um, idea in your head all along. Uh,
2: so the Revan novel, actually, I mean, for a long time, I resisted writing it because I, I didn't want to sort of say, "Here's my official, you know, version of Revan. Here's the canon version," because I felt it would sort of invalidate a lot of players' choices. But as you know, uh, the Star Wars: The Old Republic online game sort of got into production, and as uh, Lucas and and the various powers that be sort of started pushing it forward, they said, we want Revan in the game. And so we're going to pick a canon version. So at that point, I said, well, if that's going to happen, I want to be involved. That's, that's sort of where I decided, okay, I, I will write the book. Gotcha. Because I, I had kind of fought against it uh, a little bit for, for several years. But I decided if it's going to happen, I want to be involved so I can at least have some hand in it. Right. Um, the character of the Emperor figures very strongly in the, the Old Republic online game. Um, he's sort of the, I don't want to say he's the main villain because he doesn't make a lot of appearances, mm-hmm. but um, he is sort of the, the leader of uh, uh, the forces of destruction, I guess. Let's, let's call it that. Um, and that character had already been established by the writing team. I didn't start on uh, The Old Republic. I kind of came in after they had already started doing a lot of the work. So the point of writing the Revan novel. They wanted an Old Republic novel with Revan. They wanted Revan in the game. And I had to sort of explain how Revan shows up in the game, even though it's thousands of years after the setting of Revan. Um, And I had to sort of use this as a chance, not to just explore Revan's character, which I did. Um, And I, I want to sort of show people a little bit more about this version of Revan, which became the canon version. But I also wanted to sort of introduce the character of the Emperor and uh, the character of Lord Scourge, who if you play the online game as the Jedi Knight class, which is the class I wrote, you actually can meet Lord Scourge and he can become a companion character for you. Um, So I wanted to sort of tie things into the game. So the book, I think it does stand on its own in some ways, but a lot of it is tied in with the game, especially the way the book ends. To sort of see how Revan's story continues, you have to play the game or go on like, wikipedia and and uh you know l- read the the summarized version or something, but right. the story doesn't end with the book, which I know some readers were a little bit disappointed with that, but the kind of that was the justification for the book, so if it didn't end that way, it probably would have never been written. I don't know if this <laughs> makes sense, but <laughs> you know that's the thing working in a Star Wars universe is you know, I don't have complete creative control right um, it's not my universe i didn't create it uh, they let me play around in it but every once in a while um you know they give me a lot of freedom but every once in a while there's certain little restrictions that come up where they say you know we need you to do this or this has to happen or you know you can't do this little things that will pop up from now and then and this this was probably one of the biggest was we needed to get revan where he was at the end of the book so that he could be there in the game
1: that makes sense i think i think if anyone is upset at the book it's not because of the writing at all it's just because we are such diehard fanboys for Revan and we were, we, we had, we had this different vision in our head of what he was going to go up and end up doing. So I think that's, that's what it is.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think if you, you know, if you follow the story in the game, um, you know, what he did was actually pretty important. And then, you know, they've, they've taken the Revan character and I think they've realized how popular they knew how popular he was, but I don't think they, they really knew, you know? Yeah. Um, so he was just kind of a very small part of the Star Wars, uh, uh, the old Republic online game, but they've kind of been slowly building up um, his character because, you know, he had the, this little sort of side mission you could do and he was there he made the appearance in the game. And then they added him to a different expansion and, you know, they, they're kind of building up more and more stuff with Revan, um, which, you know, they're kind of doing it because fans want to see more. So, you know, Make give sense. the fans what they want, right? Yeah, <laughs>
0: right. You and you, you said that you know the Star Wars universe isn't you know yours, but don't sell yourself short because you have written canon stories in the universe which are yours. Um, so I just want to put that out there because the, you you created a giant chunk of the universe, <laughs> right? You created well, actually more of a chunk on the timeline than probably anyone.
2: Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, I was sort of the only author working in the Old Republic. They've, they've branched out a little bit, but you know, I, I do still feel a little bit like I'm the Old Republic guy, which, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Uh, I like being the Old Republic guy and, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, you know, very, very happy with the opportunity they gave me. And I I really did love what I did with Star Wars and and I'm very proud of what I did with it. But, uh, but you know, it is, it is still, well, used to be, george lucas's but now it's disney's property Mm -hmm. so um you know there's always little compromises you have to make
1: all the uh old republic novels um they are tying into the to the storyline of the game is that correct
2: uh yeah they are um they might have had uh one that came out maybe just recently or is just about to come out i i Last year or so, I haven't been following too closely that might not be tied in, but uh, most of the others were you know, one of them was an introduction to one of the main uh villain characters. Um, the Revan novel, of course, was a tie in. I did another one called Annihilation, which um, introduced uh, some of the other characters that you'll run into in the game and kind of fleshed that out and mm-hmm. sort of took place sort of after the events of the game and bridged it to the next expansion pack. So um, they definitely are trying to do a bit of a tie-in um, to help flesh out the the game universe that they're building. Right.
0: So I want to know, do you already have your Kylo Ren lightsaber and how excited are you
2: for <laughs>
0: episode seven?
2: <laughs> I'm i I'm pretty excited. Uh, I, you know, I know, that I know there are some people who didn't like what J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams did with the Star Wars reboot. I actually enjoyed those movies quite a bit. Star Trek? Um, Yes, the Star Trek reboot, okay. <laughs> which he's you know I figure if he did that well, he can probably do a good job with the Star Wars reboot. That's how we feel um, about it too so far. And and all the stuff I've seen so far, they're hitting all the right buttons for me. Yep, you know I, I feel like they're focusing on characters and story. They've got a really good cast. I like all the actors. I'm like these are you know these are good good actors to have in there. Um, I, I really like the trailers. Um, I don't know. It feels to me like they're doing it the right way. Um, I think for me, the the second trilogy of movies was aimed at the wrong audience. It was aimed at too young of an audience. Um, I understand they wanted to get children in there, but I was like, what about all us fans who are adults who grew up with this? This isn't the story f- intended for us. Yeah. Um, whereas now I feel like they're sort of making a pivot and they're saying, you know, these are going to be sort of more mature stories. They're going to be still star Wars, but there's going to be, you know, uh, uh, I keep saying maturity. That's probably not the right word, but there's some, there's going to be something in there that will grab me, which is the same thing we did with KOTOR. We said, this is what I, as a person who grew up with star Wars, but am now an adult. This is what I want to know. These are the themes I want to explore. Yeah. And I really feel like they're going in the right direction. You know? Um, yeah. So I'm very excited. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I don't have any inside information. I wish I did, um, but I'm not nearly that important. Uh, the films are always have always been this uh, giant juggernaut that's you know dwarfs everything else, uh, games, books, everything else, and you know they're sort of their own entity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome.
0: I'm pretty excited. And, I, know, going off of what you said, um, with the the prequels being more children oriented. Um I felt like the Dark Knight series was the exact same thing where the 90s Batman movies were so children oriented mm-hmm. and then these dark, dark Knight series was so dark and realistic. Um so that I that I did have that connection when I saw the trailers for episode 7 that um you know this is going to be a little darker, a little more realistic. Um and with JJ behind everything, it I'm so excited for it. So Yeah,
2: I'm I'm pretty pumped. Can I make a little can I take you on a little side, short side story. Absolutely. When you mentioned the Dark Knight. Please. So, uh, you're probably familiar with a, a man named Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, yes. That the, mm-hmm. the, does the Joker voice there and, and did Luke Skywalker. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but in the Clone Wars series, they actually had a small appearance by Darth Bane in the very last episode. And they had Mark Hamill voice him. Oh, wow. Is that so, the big
0: spoiler on your website? Is that <laughs> no, what's going on? It's on super no, no, no. no, no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the very last episode of the Clone Wars series yoda goes to korriban although they call it something different for reasons we'll just leave it at that <laughs> yoda goes to korriban and he encounters this spirit that may or may not actually be darth bane's spirit but it's representative of, you know it's darth bane they they kind of have a little little chat um it's pretty brief but it was pretty cool that mark hamill was the one who voiced it so uh, you know when i saw that i was like wow that's awesome <laughs>
0: So Darth Bane is Luke Skywalker. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Spoiler: Who in in turn is now Kylo Ren. So we, we figured it out. <laughs> it's Revan. There it's Revan. Um, with uh, with
1: Bane in mind, I just thought of something else I wanted to ask. Um, so Yoda mentions the rule of two in Episode One. Um, is that something that you heard and you wanted to turn it into more of a thing and put it in the in the Revan and and the Bane storylines? How did that happen?
2: So, it had actually been something... So, when when you start writing for Star Wars, you get... Well, you used to get a a disc called the Holocron, which had all this information on it. And, uh, you know, now it's all sort of online. um, And a lot of it's on Wikipedia because uh, if people aren't familiar with that site and you're a Star Wars fan, it's a great site. Um, It's basically Wikipedia, but just for Star Wars. It's a Star Wars wiki. Oh, we've used Um, that for many arguments, so... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a great site. I love it. But... um, I don't remember what I was kicking around looking stuff. And there had been mention of this rule of two, um, in like early drafts of scripts from like way back in the day. And, you know, um, it was something that was sort of there. And I think it had even been sort of put out in the West end games material. So it was sort of there in, in various forms in the expanded universe, but hadn't really been expanded on. So, um, You know, when they brought it out in the, in, yeah, was it Phantom Menace that he mentioned it?
0: I believe so, yeah.
2: I I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, When they mentioned it, I was like, okay, you know, now at least it's sort of more public. I'm going to run with it. And, uh, you know, there was already stuff. The groundwork was there and I had to sort of pick up the pieces and put them together and flesh them out. Um, And then come up with why. Because people are like, you know, when, when you first say it, people are like, well, that's dumb. Why, why? If two are good, a hundred is better. And I'm like, well, in a simple terms, yeah. But if you look at it in a more complex way, there's got to be a reason that they did this. And that sort of came out with Bane's whole philosophy, and and it, again, that tied in with the the comics that uh, Dark Horse had done too.
0: Yeah, it definitely works so well with the the like the true essence of the Sith. Um, you know, it just works so well with it, so I'm glad you took it and just ran with it because it makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, I think that might be another appeal for the the old Republic was just the fact that there were hundreds of Sith and hundreds of Jedi. Where you know, where we all re- originally came from, it was just Darth Vader basically running around mm-hmm. choking rebels. Well, especially right. the original trilogy, there is almost no Jedi really. Obi Wan. Yeah.
1: You know he. And Yoda, Yoda doesn't even have a lightsaber. He teaches Luke. Luke doesn't use it that often.
0: Yeah. He just cooks beans. That's all we know. <laughs> Yoda's stealing flashlights. That's stealing all have. flashlights. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, another thing I wanted to ask is, outside of Star Wars, what is maybe your favorite series, or or, or what what do you do outside of Star
2: Wars? Oh, wow, good question. Um, I, you know, I'm really into a lot of fantasy. Um, uh, I, I'm obviously you know a fan of Game of Thrones. Um read most of the books. I haven't read the last one. I think honestly, I'm going to wait for the books to finish before I keep reading now. Although I, I finally started watching the TV series. I'm only one season in, but, uh, I kind of held off on it because I was reading the books, but now I've decided that I've heard the series is going to end before the books. So I'm really into fantasy. Um, huge fan of Stephen King, um, and the various horror. Um, I do a lot of fantasy and horror in my own writing. um, and then for films, you know, I I, there, I like a lot of different things. Um, you know, I, I like sci-fi, I like action. Um, you know, some of my favorite films are, you know, not even in that genre though. You know, I'm a huge fan of Pulp Fiction and Quentin Tarantino's stuff. Um, you know, uh, my probably my favorite movie of this past year is the new Mad Max. Uh, I really love that. Just thought You'll it was need to see just amazing. oh, I thought it was great. Um, but I, I'm pretty broad in my interests. Um, you know. Just because of you know, my my last 15 years sort of being so tied with Star Wars, I've probably spent more time with Star Wars than anything else. But uh, you know, I, I probably think fantasy is sort of where more of my my interests lay. But that's the great thing about Star Wars, is it's sci-fi and fantasy. You get the best elements of both. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't say Star Wars is I actually often say it's uh it's uh space fantasy, right? It's it's not really science fiction in the same way that you know Isaac Asimov or something like that is, or even say like Blade Runner. Um, it's not that hard science fiction. It's definitely got a lot of fantasy elements in it, and I think that's part of why it's so universally loved because it takes those two genres and combines them in such a great way.
1: Right. Um, speaking of fantasy, you big Lord of the Rings fan. Uh,
2: I was. Um, I. I. You know, I read the books when I was quite young. Um, honestly, I've tried to reread them, and I, this is sacrilegious to say, but I find they're a little plotting now. Um, I prefer sort of more modern pacing to my writing. Um, uh, I like a lot of like Brandon Sanderson. He's, he's pretty good. Uh, you know, George Martin has a very interesting new take on it. Um, but I mean, Lord of the Rings is obviously the iconic, you know, foundational work that all, all fantasy people kind of need to realize was the, the grandfather of everything.
0: What kind of music do you listen to? <laughs>
2: Uh, I I, I listen to alt music, but when I say alt music, I mean popular alt. It's funny because I I listen to like, I don't know, Green Day and and Foo Fighters, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which I don't really consider alternative. I mean, they're pretty mainstream in my book. You know, when they still had record stores, which they don't anymore, I don't think, you would go in and the alt section had become the biggest section in the entire store. And I'm like, if you're the biggest (laughs) section, you're not alt. You're not alternative. You're mainstream. Yeah, but I, I like that kind of stuff. Uh, like I say, Foo Fighters. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of the older stuff too. Um, Pink Floyd, the Who, that kind of classic stuff. Uh, awesome. A lot of British stuff. That's
0: it's right with us. That's perfect.
2: <laughs> That's the correct answer.
0: That's the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, is there a series or anything out there that you um, would like to work on but you haven't?
2: You know, for me, not really. I mean, I'll be honest. It's hard to get bigger than Star Wars. Um, I really don't, you know, think that that there's much out there that that would be a bigger get than Star Wars. And I kind of did my time there. Um, I do love zombie stuff. I mean, you know, if the Walking Dead guys were to call me and say, "Hey," I'd be like, "Yes, I'm in." <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do love that kind of horror stuff. Um, but you know, for me, that's partly I think why I'm I'm focusing a lot on sort of m- more of my original material now. Um, cause it does give me a little more creative control. It does let me sort of do, you know, what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I've kind of, I've done star Wars, I've done mass effect. There, there've been huge successes. Um, you know, I've always got those sort of, you know, on my resume. So I kind of want to try different things too.
0: Awesome. Completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, now talk a little bit about the, the, the chaos books. Um, I am just a few chapters into the first one. So I am just getting my feet wet. Um, but was it something that you, just like you said, I've had enough of the Star Wars. You know, you've spent your time on that. Now I just want to kind of do my own thing. Um, so, what was uh, your thought behind behind those those series? That series.
2: So, uh, so the Chaos Born series. Um, it's a trilogy, fantasy trilogy. Uh, it's basically inspired by you know Lord of the Rings and uh, all the old Terry Brooks sort of Shannara novels. A um, little bit of the Dragonlance influence in there. Uh, David Eddings and all the books I read growing up that I loved um this is sort of my tribute to them so it's a classic sword and sorcery fantasy series um you know it has some influences of sort of more modern fantasy things like the uh the George Martin you know lots of different characters the jump around point of view quite a bit which you're probably finding if you're in the first few chapters yeah uh, it does it, it can be a little overwhelming but uh you know I figured Readers are. I, I give readers enough credit to to sort through it. Um, you know, I I I do like these sort of uh, darker morality, um, a little less clear on who's the good and who's the evil. But I also like to bring in iconic elements of of fantasy. You know, the the magic and the the ancient evil that's awakening. Um, and I basically just wanted to tell the story that sort of I've you know sort of had kicking around in my head for years. Um, so the first book, Children of Fire, came out a couple years ago. Uh, second book, Scorched Earth, came out last year, and the third book is coming out in October. Uh, it's called Chaos Unleashed, and that's the end. I wanted to make sure it was a, a finite trilogy. I have planned. I had planned it out start to finish. It's not going to suddenly become four books or five books or seven books. <laughs> You know, um, people aren't going to be waiting 20 years. We're not going to name names, but, uh, you know, I, I do feel a little bit like as an author, I, I if I start a story, I owe it to you to finish it. Um, so that's why I, I said, you know, it's going to be a trilogy. And, you know, it's now finished. The the third book is is in the final stages of, of publication now. You know, we're just doing editing and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, if, if people are fans of fantasy, uh, fans of my writing, you know, if you like uh, the George Martin or, you know, the, the Tolkien um, type of story, I think you should pick it up. Uh, you know, it's it's a good series. Um, the third book does come out in October, and I think when it comes out, they're actually going to be releasing all three books as sort of a collection, um, which I'm hoping will then, you know, some people don't want to read a series until it's finished because of, again, we won't <laughs> name names, but it's it become frustrating too. for some people. Um we just don't so, want the dude uh, yeah. to
1: pass away before he finishes the books. Well, That's this is this was it.
2: I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you ever read the Wheel of Time books, but you know, unfortunately, uh, Robert Jordan did pass away. You know, he got a serious illness and uh, he had to pass on the story to uh, another author, Brandon Sanderson, who at least at least he's a very capable author in his own right. But mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of sad that you don't get to hear the the story told in the way the original author wanted to tell it to you.
0: Right. So how does Revan fit into these chaos books? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what everyone that's wants all. to know. That's awesome. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I'd like to go through a few questions from uh, some of our fans left, if that's
2: cool. Yeah, sure.
1: Um, our buddy Lord Kerner wants to know where the alien languages came, up, um, came from in KOTOR, and if you had any involvement in developing the iconic words such as k
2: <laughs> so that was um, a little bit of a mix of our sound department and uh, some stuff we got from Lucas Games. Uh, they gave us sort of some stock alien footage sounds. Um, I didn't have any hand in developing that. Uh, the only thing I did was when they first gave it to us, You know, they had a, a a weird thing set up where the length of the line in English would determine how long the alien speaker would talk. Mm-hmm. So they would basically look at how how many characters... And uh, I'll tell you, listening to some of that stuff was painful. So I said, cut everything in half. So if you don't like listening to the alien dialogue, there's a couple in particular that are are really hard on the ears. Um, <laughs> be thankful that I made them cut it in half because they would have lasted twice as long if I hadn't put my foot down there.
1: It's It really uh, makes you feel like Star Wars, that the fact that they're in there and they didn't make everyone speak uh, basic, which is which mm. is cool. But yeah, it can get a little overwhelming, especially it- the authorians. Whenever you talk to an authority and they blow up your house, the (laughs) bass just like shakes everything.
2: I love it. Yeah. Well, and one of the other reasons we did that, which is kind of funny, is it actually saved us a lot of money because we didn't have to hire voice actors to do it because it's all sort of remixed stock. Not footage, but sound files, right? Right. Um, So, you know, once you had a certain number, you were good. And then we could make changes in the game later without having to call in a voice actor and get it you know, get it done. Um, whereas in something like, say, Mass Effect, a lot of the changes you made, uh, if the if the speaker was speaking English, um, you had to actually get the voice actor back in and it became much more expensive and difficult to make changes in the game.
1: Right. Makes sense. Um, Sophie Bolter wants to know if there will be, or if you have ever thought about a standalone book or series for uh, Zana.
2: So, uh, yeah, I've thought about stuff. Um, you know, uh, the Ban and Zana story, even if you read the spoiler, um, you'll see that there's still potential for, uh, you know, the, the Sith lineage to go on. I mean, I, I've really thought about, uh, about coming back to those characters. Um, so, I, I've thought about it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen, as I said. With Disney taking over, the, the book stuff is kind of shifted a little bit right now. I think they're really focused on the, the next movie. Um, sort of the re the reboot, uh-huh. which I think they should be. I mean, that's the key, right? That has to be awesome, and I hope it is. Yeah. And uh, once that comes out, I'm I'm hoping they're going to sort of open up the books a little bit more because they've really dialed them back a little bit right now. Um, and hopefully, I'll get a chance to, uh, you know, continue Bane and and Zana's saga and see where it goes.
1: I am glad that they're um, pumping out more content though, because when when we heard the initial announcement that Disney bought it. People were worried. And then when we heard that they were uncanonizing so much stuff, everyone freaked out and we didn't think there was going to be anything new. But now they're taking this time to um, lay a foundation for what the movies are going to be. Like they have all yeah. these books coming out that are supposed to relate to the movies and especially the uh, content that they're going to put in uh, the Battlefront game when that comes out too. It's all going to tie right. in. So.
2: And I will say, uh, and I, I'm terrible. I should remember the name. Alex Freed, uh, who wrote the novel, uh, the Battlefront novel tie-in, mm-hmm. uh, was the lead writer on Star Wars The Old Republic. I worked with him at Bioware. Fantastic writer. He wrote the Imperial Agents storyline. Pick up the book. Uh, it's, it's totally worth it. He's a great writer. And uh, it's, when it comes out, it's going uh, to be pretty good. People are really going to like it. Awesome.
1: Um, just got one more. Monster013 wants to know if there will be a Knights of the Old Republic reboot for Next Gen Systems.
2: I don't know of anything about that right now um you that know, a I know, no comment,
0: uh, comment? <laughs> well, no
2: no it's it's um here's the thing i I would have i imagine at some point there will be it's it's just so popular it doesn't make sense to me not to in some way do it right like you know whether it's for mobile or whether it's for new gen systems or or what mm-hmm. I just feel like there's such a, a, a demand for it that it, it doesn't make a lot of sense not to do it or, or something, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but I haven't heard anything about it yet. Um, uh, I haven't, you know, I'm not with Bioware anymore. I assume Bioware would be the ones doing it, but maybe not. I, I don't know what Disney's plans are. Um, but down the road, I mean, it's something I would be interested in revisiting. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it uh, the first time around. So um Yeah, so I don't really have an answer, but I I would be stunned if down the road something doesn't come out someday.
1: (laughs) I think the reason um, it's been kind of brewing is because a few days before E3, a few people from BioWare tweeted out some very vague hints about some RPG. They didn't really say they were working on one. They didn't really say what they wanted to. They're just like, (laughs) hmm, 2016 sounds good for an RPG. And then now we're all just like, KOTOR 3, it has to happen.
2: (laughs) Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, I still talk to a lot of the people at Bioware, um, but they're... Well, I'm careful not to ask, and they're careful not to say, because I'm always afraid of accidentally tweeting or, or saying in an interview like this something that I'm not supposed to. So I, I intentionally put a wall up so I don't do something stupid and, and say something I'm not supposed to. Right. Super secret spoilers. Now, do, yeah.
0: you, do you think there will ever be a movie... Based off any of the old Republic stuff, and if so, do you think it would ruin? Because I feel like that's like an untouched, like a movie is a specific media that it works for specific things. Uh-huh. That if there was an old Republic movie about any of it, Bane or Revan, um, wh- how how would you feel about that? And do you do you think it would help or like inhibit the whole thing? I,
2: I would like them to explore that era. Um, I, I mean, you know, they're talking about you know doing these standalone movies and and again I don't have any inside information but I've heard rumors that like well the first one is supposed to be the 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 pilots who get the plans for the Death Star and you know the the I've heard rumors that there's gonna be a, a film about Boba Fett and a, a mm-hmm. film about Han and, and uh Lando when they were young smugglers. You know, I like those kinds of things that expand the, the story but I'd like them to go farther back to the old republic. Um I think the Bane story could work as a film because it's a lot easier to translate books into film than games. Um, the, the KOTOR story, the story that's told in the game, is so massive. I mean, it's 40 hours of story. You've got you know nine companion characters. Um, it, it, it really would be almost impossible to do it justice because it's a different media and because you would lose out on the, the, the whole player agency, players being able to make choices and define the character in that. I don't really want to see a a, a specific KOTOR movie. Um, I wouldn't mind if they maybe took characters from KOTOR and, you know, built a movie around them. But for me, if they do an old Republic movie, I would love them to do a Bane movie. I think it ties in the best with, you know, the way they're trying to reboot the series. I think it's a story that could work well in film. And, uh, and I really think they should call me if they want to do it. Hello, call me. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) I think it also works well with, you know, the setup of even the Phantom Menace where, okay, so Bane happened and that's why there's only two. So it does, I think, work well in that sense too, that it even, you know, a thousand years apart, it still kind of ties in and people can relate. So yes, call Drew and hire him (laughs) and do this. Make it happen. (laughs) Hurry up. (laughs) We're just excited
1: that there is more content coming out and it's not just a trilogy movie all the standalone Mm -hmm. and who knows in 10 years what they're going to do. If they're just going to keep pumping them out, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah.
2: I mean, I I assume if they're successful, why wouldn't they? Right? Like, I mean, again, I'm not on the inside. I don't know, but.
0: If they have to kill off one of the original trilogy members in episode seven, who do you think it should be?
2: Oh, tough call. You know, yeah boba
0: fett I mean, yeah they're
2: too old for me yeah for me I, I really like the idea of them sort of passing the torch so you know if someone does get killed off i i feel like honestly the stories of those characters are mostly done so as a fan it'll it won't have the impact of killing a a character who has more stories to be told um
1: as long as they don't I mean
2: I don't really know. Uh, I mean I know they killed off Chewbacca in the books that are no longer canon, mm-hmm. which I think they've totally decided that that didn't happen now, right? Like right. I think that was part of the reason going away from canon. Real um, quick before and, uh, before how would you
0: how would you feel if something you wrote was just all of a sudden uncanonized by Disney? It's you like know, a slap I, to the face.
2: Well, so I, I've tried to be very diplomatic about this, but it's been very easy for me because my material is, because it's so distanced from the film time timeline, they haven't really done a lot that specifically contradicted my stuff yet. So I've been able to sort of take the high road and be like, you know, it's a Star Wars universe. You know, when you go in that you don't control it as an author, you know, you don't own the rights and you know, other authors get to take your stuff and do stuff with it. But I mean, I, I think it could be difficult. Um, you know, if they were suddenly to come out and, and you know, rewrite the entire Bane story and... I don't know. Make him a gungan, and I don't know. I'd probably be a little <laughs> bit annoyed. Um A little bit, you know. I, I suspect. He's going um, to the I, dark side. I, I, yeah. <laughs> oh, just send a shiver shiver down my spine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, go uh, continue on with uh, who, who do you think they could or should kill off?
2: Well, I mean. Just because I know he's so tired of the movies, I think they'll probably kill off Harrison Ford, if anyone, just to, you know, have to stop dealing with him. I mean, I heard about the argument about the earring and everything. And so, I'm like, they're probably like, hey, we're done. We're done, Harrison. Um, but well, yeah, for me, I, I don't know. It's just tough. Uh, well, if I, I wouldn't really want to see any of them go, but I almost feel like you have to to sort of play on that theme of sacrifice that we got in the first movie with, with Obi-Wan. So... Yeah, tough call. Sure. But
0: well, we're going to post on our website Drew wants Han dead. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing people should take out of this entire interview. Well, if he keeps crashing his truck into the golf demands.
0: courses,
1: he might not have a choice.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we do appreciate your time. Um, I think that's it for uh, all of our questions. I'm sure right after we hang up, I'm going to be like, what the hell? Why didn't I ask this? <laughs> but uh, obviously, we appreciate your time. We appreciate all you've done um, for the Star Wars universe. So um, props to you. And it really, we, you know, we were huge Star Wars fans. But when we walked into KOTOR, it really did open up a door to, like, what could be in the Star Wars it, yeah, universe. Yeah, it jump-started so, everything. Um so yeah, thank you for that. Um, obviously, our listeners are happy for us because we are talking, talking, and communicating. Um, but good, good yes, words. <laughs> good, good for words. Um, um, is there is there anything else that you want? Uh, did
1: you wanted to plug, or you wanted to mention, or any questions you have um, for us, or anything? you know? I,
2: I mean, we talked about the the Chaos Born series. Um, like I say, hopefully people will check it out. Children of Fire is the first book. Definitely start there. I have a little book of short stories if you want to look at something a little smaller. Uh, not as much of a time investment. It's 10 short stories. It just recently came out. It's called A Minor Malevolent Spirit. Um, it's a mix of fantasy, horror, a little bit of sci-fi. And you can get it off of Amazon. It's on uh, Kindle and it's also in print if you want to order it. Um, it's a good introduction to sort of my writing style and, and uh, the kind of stories I like to tell. Um, and. Obviously, I'd love people. To check out my website, drewcarpishon.com or follow me on Twitter, Drew Carpishin.
0: What's the worst pronunciation of
2: your last name you've ever heard? Oh, I mean, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even begin to do it. The thing I always tell people to, to remember is uh, it rhymes with suspicion. Drew Carpition, under suspicion, efficient musician. it has got a condition. <laughs>
0: nice. You know, Are you kidding me? all sorts me? of little m- mnemonics. There you go. He's our, our Star Wars rapper. There you go. <laughs>
2: Figured <Done>. it
1: out. <laughs> uh, I have heard I know, should I say it? Drew, <laughs> Lay it on me. Drew Carpatian. Carpatian. Carpathian.
2: I've heard that one a few times. Um, the ones I don't like are when they mix up the R and the A and they get like crap I'm like,
1: really?
0: <laughs> Partition. Is
2: that necessary?
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Drew Carpatian, uh, we appreciate everything you've done. Um, and uh, we thank you for being on uh, our, our podcast and everything. Um, and good luck to you in the future. Um, any, any like large, so after chaos, what, what, what's kind of the plan? Yeah. What's next on your, on your, I schedule? don't
2: know. I've got a couple different things I'm kicking around right now. Um, I've got my agent kind of putting some feelers out and, uh, I'm going to see. So, uh, hopefully, I'll, by the fall, I'll kind of know and I'll be able to announce some stuff. Um, but I can't really say too much right now. Um, but hopefully it'll be something people are, uh, are excited about.
0: No hints to, uh, whether it's going to be like. <laughs> novels or video game or anything like that?
2: I'm definitely going to be doing more novels. Um, Video games is, you know, something I may or may not get back into. um, But uh, the novels are so much easier to do because I can do them by myself. Video games, I got to find the right mix of team and project. So uh, video games is a, maybe the novels for sure. And uh, nothing in the realm of film or anything yet, but that's mostly because nobody's called me and offered me anything. I would jump at anything like that. So if you're listening, if you're a billionaire producer listening, just, uh, you know, give me a call.
1: Episode eight's <laughs> coming out eventually, so.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Drew. It was really great talking to you.
2: Thanks, guys. I really honored.
0: enjoyed it. Awesome. So that was uh,
1: Drew carpition obviously. I and... Uh, can't even believe that that just happened, really. Yeah. So it's a really cool guy. Um... Hopefully yeah, Hopefully I mean, we answered some of your questions. I know a lot of you guys that listen regularly uh, dropped a few questions that you wanted answered, so we tried to throw a few of those in there. But in general, man, he...
0: Ooh. Yeah, they basically outside of George Lucas, I look at uh, Drew as probably the most um, provider of stories. <laughs> the most provider. That's great. <laughs> That's a great way. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Drew. The most provisioned. <laughs> no, he he has done the probably mo- the more
1: of awesome storylines.
0: Yes, yeah, he's done more stories than probably most other people.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's de- yeah, he's definitely there.
0: So and all the video
1: game work too. I can't stress that enough. Like I didn't even realize how much he did when he was at Bioware that I didn't even play. Right, it's just like crazy. Yeah, and so, of course, as you heard, he does have his own projects. He's been he hasn't been working on any Star Wars stuff lately. So definitely. If you love Bane if you love Revan throw Drew some, some support and check out some of his uh, some of his personal projects
0: and or if you haven't read the Bane series or the Revan book go
1: pick that shit up it is great to read if you've heard the show you've heard us rave about it and you better have read it by raving about it raving about that shit so, so right. yeah so thanks again to Drew check him out uh, website is Drew just his name and his uh, Twitter handles at Drew just follow him and stay up to date with what he's
0: doing yep go check them out and obviously we appreciate you guys sticking in with us and uh look forward to production of more podcasts stay tuned guys peace